Once again, we jump into the favorite part of our day, or at least the favorite part of our midday, because it is midday here across KRV and Nation. Brandon Bennett, Susan Littlefield, Bob Brogan, and Jason Jorgensen, and who knows who else will be stopping by. Ladies first, Susan Littlefield uh, talking a little bit about AFAN, the Kansas Farm Bureau meeting, and lots of other things going on around the farm department. You bet. It's another busy day as we jump into things happening from the farm team, and we're all kind of out and about this week. We're going to get an update coming up from a chat on uh, NASDA, an update from him. He'll have more details coming up on that at 1219. Then Bryce will step in at 1245, the Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska. And We Support Ag recently held their annual meeting. We'll hear from the executive director, Steve Martin, more about that. And we have Clay in Manhattan, Kansas. Clay will be giving us an update from the Farm Bureau. And just as I said this, uh, Chad Moyer says it will be with the Nebraska State Dairy Association's executive talking more about strategic planning. So that's what's going to be coming up from him at 1219. Lots of great content there across our KRVN Midday feature interviews. Susan, many thanks for the preview. No problem. Thank you. Coming up next, Jason Jorgensen and Lopers and Tigers and whoever's oh my. Yeah, it is. Uh, MIAA basketball action begins tonight in Kearney as the Lopers take on one of their old rivals in Fort Hay State. Each of these games should be pretty good. Uh, the women's matchup, each team is undefeated on the year. Fort Hay State is ranked third in the country after they went 32-2 and a year ago and made it to a regional final. On the men's game, you have the UNK men. They're 3-3. Three and three. They found a way to win a couple of tight ones. Fort Hay State comes in 4-2. and two. So game time's tonight. Women's game at 5.30. Men's at 7.30. If you can't make it to the Health and Sports Center, of course, we will have those games over on the river and on the River app. Also, we'll hear from Loper football coach Josh Lynn as UNK continues to prepare for the Mineral Water Bowl on Saturday against Winona State. There are eight teams currently in Division Two that are still playing there in the playoffs. And originally there were five bowl games, but one of them just got canceled earlier this week, so now we're down to four. So four games in the playoffs and four bowl games, and eight and plus eight is uh, 16, so... To be one of 16 teams across the nation still playing right now is pretty special for you and I talked to uh, each coach today, and, of course, the Lopers are excited about it. Winona State, they're excited about it. Uh, each program had to shovel snow before they could practice after Thanksgiving, so, hey, that's a good problem to have. Winona State and one of those programs that has good, strong, and many ties to Hastings College just down the road. So we'll be talking about that as we get into our game prep. Bob Brogan, we're going to shift now to you and talk about financials, and I suppose we should duck when we talk about what the Dow Jones Industrial Average is doing right now. Stocks are sinking as the trade conflicts escalate. President Donald Trump indicating he is in no hurry to make a trade deal with China. Technology companies, which do a lot of business with China, led the declines. Apple sank 2.5%. Mr. Trump said he had no deadline for making a deal, suggesting there may not be an agreement this year, as previously hoped, throwing an anvil into the uh, pool of jello. So that's, uh, that's kind of um, what's driving the stock market down today. And uh, he says he's got a uh, minor dispute over a French digital service tax, and the U.S. is threatening to slap new tariffs on French cheese, wine, and other products. Right now, that's kind of leading things off here, and uh, so that's uh, driving the market. An anvil 
into a pool of jello. Bob Brogan knows no <laughs> bounds when it comes to metaphors. Get up to speed on the daily events of the Nebraska Power Farming Show with the Sunrise Report. Each morning of the show, join us on Facebook for interviews and a review of key events. Brought to you by Hogsled at West Point, Richland, and Beersford, Prairie Industries, and the Nebraska Power Farming Show. As promised, Paul Perkins joining us to talk about your regional weather forecast and I would imagine things are a lot simpler for you this week compared to last week because, Paul, we had not one, but uh, really two and a half major storms come through. Exactly. Plus, the precipitation types were so varied last week. We had drizzle, freezing drizzle, areas of rain, snow, uh, snow rain mix, you name it. It was a a combo that was kind of a nightmare for a weatherman. (laughs) On our regional weather forecast here, it's usually about half to two-thirds of a page by the time we get to each of Nebraska, northeastern Colorado, northwest, north central Kansas, central Nebraska. Each one of those has its own page. Each one of those pages is about half to two-thirds full. There was a couple times last week that those regional forecasts went two full pages just because of all of the different conditions out there. Exactly. Much quieter this week, and it looks like it will continue for at least the next seven days all the way through Monday here. Maybe some light snow into northern areas of Nebraska, but that's about it. It's very quiet weather continues across the area. And, of course, the snow continues to melt. It looks like when we look at our visible satellite photo, since it is a clear day today, you can see that that main snow line is along in northwest of the line from about Norfolk down to Grand Island, Kearney, and Holdridge, and then especially to areas north of I-80. But as you go south of I-80 on into northern Kansas, that snow cover is a lot uh, less prevalent. That's where we also have those warmer temperatures in those less snow-covered areas on into the upper 40s to the low 50s from Lincoln and southeast Nebraska to much northern Kansas, also northeast Colorado. But most of us with temperatures right now in the low to mid-40s. Some northwesterly downslope winds off high pressure to our west for today and tomorrow, helping in those temperatures being slightly warmer than usual. Also plenty of sunshine. Some low pressure will track across the southern plains tomorrow through Friday. And some clouds will mix with our sunshine, but all in all, precipitation should stay well to our south. Thursday's temperatures look to be seasonal with the approach of a cold front. The cold front will drop our daytime temperatures on into the 30s on Friday. The weekend, back to slightly warmer than normal and staying dry with highs in the 40s and some 50s once again. A ridge of high pressure starts to move overhead. A strong cold front will plow through the region by Monday. That will drop our temperatures on Monday into the 30s for daytime highs. Closer to some low pressure, some light snow will be possible in northern Nebraska, but the better chance is that snow on into the Dakotas. Any cool down not expected to last long. The long-term forecast for Nebraska and Kansas predicts a good chance of warmer than normal temperatures for Sunday all the way through December 16th with near normal to slightly above normal precipitation. Now, December, one of the two coldest months of the year, second only to next month in January, but it doesn't look like this month will be overly cold. Above normal temperatures are likely this month for nearly all of the U.S., that higher chance of being warmer than normal from Nebraska south to Texas. So some good news there. And we've had I've had some discussions with some other people on Facebook, though, and they've indicated that the middle of the month, the forecast model is kind of all over. So maybe not etched that in stone, but at least we've got a good forecast for the month of December, one of our two coldest months of the year. Now, the higher chances of being warmer than normal, once again, Nebraska south to Texas this month. Precipitation this month for Nebraska and Kansas expected to be near normal to slightly above normal. Key weather factors influencing the markets include continued harvest delays in the central U.S. and dryness concerns in Argentina. 
The Midwest expects more harvest delays of corn and soybeans with wet and snow-covered fields. Areas north of I-90, the most extensively delayed, notably in Michigan and Wisconsin. Any soybeans remaining in the field may be lost. Some corn may be left in the field until spring. The U.S. corn harvest right now, 89% complete. That's the slowest since 2009 when the crop was 82% harvested. More than a third of the corn remains in the field in North Dakota, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Drier weather in the western and northern Midwest the next seven days will offer some improvement for some chances to get back in the field. In the northern plains, moderate to heavy snow cover from the Thanksgiving blizzard means additional row crop harvest this week is unlikely. Some dry conditions in the next week to 10 days will help melt some of that snow, but a new round of Arctic cold is expected about five to seven days from now. The drier Argentina 10-day forecast bears some watching. Some crop areas have not received much rain recently. The soil moisture amounts are especially low in the southwest sector of the primary Argentina crop region. So as we look ahead, uh, overall pretty decent weather here. So if there's still some folks around, at least in this area, that still need to get those crops out, it's going to be a pretty decent week to do it. Exactly. And it looks like, of course, a lot around here, everybody in pretty good shape. But, yeah, December looking warmer than normal. That's kind of the headline in this long-term forecast. So we may be singing that. I'm dreaming of a brown Christmas instead of a white Christmas. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time we've had that. <laughs> and, of course, Paul, where can everybody go to get the latest updated information? KRVN.com. There are some exciting things going on with the Nebraska State Dairy Association these days, and we're going to hear today about some of those efforts. Here with us is Chris Boske. He is the executive director of the Nebraska State Dairy Association. Chris, there are some added member benefits that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, but first of all, talk about what started all this. You're getting underway with some strategic planning. Tell us about that first. The Nebraska State Dairy Association Board of Directors is getting ready to go through a strategic planning session. So uh, December 5th and 6th, uh, we will be meeting uh, up in Columbus to iron out specifically where those farmers want to see the industry in the future and how the NSDA plays into that uh, equation. So I guess I would be asking uh, our dairy farmers in Nebraska and members of the NSDA to reach out to those on the board, give them some feedback, and try to uh, get your point across and and your message heard so we can take uh, the the true pulse of the dairy industry into these strategic planning sessions so we can be successful in the future in growing our dairy herd here in the state. Definitely looking for that uh, producer uh, dairyman feedback uh, for the strategic planning that's coming up here in in the short term. Uh, Let's also talk about some value that's being given back to members of the Nebraska State Dairy Association. Tell us about some partnerships that have developed, Chris. When I came on board with the NSDA, I really took a deep dive into our membership benefits, and I thought that was an area that we could really gain some ground. And so um, we we decided to go out and uh, partner with a couple organizations to bring some value back to the membership with the NSDA. So um, I'm happy that... Uh, Starting January 1st, uh, the Nebraska State Dairy Association is going to be partnering with the Nebraska Cattlemen, uh, and the Cattlemen are going to be providing, uh, you know, key legislative updates during the unicameral session to our dairy farmers. Uh, they're going to be allowing us uh, the opportunity to partake in their educational webinars and any educational things that they have uh, here in Lincoln or around the state. 
as well as, uh, you know, the opportunity to utilize some of their, their great staff uh, for legal help. Uh, so, for example, if, an, if a dairy farmer has an issue with, uh, for, for example, the DEE coming out and uh, doing a survey on their farm, they can call, uh, you know, the Nebraska cattlemen uh, and consult them on the do's and don'ts or, or just general questions on what they should do or maybe get a reference of a, of a lawyer that could help them. And then as well, they're going to be at, uh, uh, sending out their magazine to all of our dairy farmers in the state. But we've also uh, thought, you know, it'd be a good idea to partner with somebody that could bring some some value to our producers in the form of, uh, you know, maybe some decreased cost, you know, with prescription drugs. So we, we partnered with a company called Script Cycle, and Script Cycle is going to be offering up high-deductible prescription drug discount cards to our dairy farmer members and our allied members if they need them. So uh, we're really excited to bring some value to the NSDA membership. So really excited about some of the new opportunities that we're going to have. Yeah, definitely sounds great. Now, it's always been a good thing to be a member of the Nebraska State Dairy Association, but here's several more reasons to either renew that membership or uh, consider uh, applying for a, a new membership. As always, a lot of things going on with the Nebraska State Dairy Association, and thanks to Executive Director Chris Bosquet for coming on and giving us the summary some of the things going on. Chad Moyer reporting. Time once again for a check of midday sports and all's fair that ends in rivalries and not quite the rivalry that UNK and Fort Hayes State had back in the day when they were both in the RMAC, but still a lot of connections, especially for Coach Amy tonight. That's right, and it's UNK and Fort Hayes State at the Health and Sports Center in Kearney. The Loper men are off to a 3-3 three and three start this year and head coach Kevin Lofton likes how UNK is playing together. I think we're working together from a chemistry standpoint a lot better right now than we were last year at this time. Uh, I think that really helps us too, uh, so I'm, I'm excited about that. Fort Hayes State comes in 4-2. and Tip-off of the men's game is set for 7-30. In the women's game, it's a matchup of unbeatens. As the 6-0 Lopers host the third-ranked 5-0 Tigers at 5-30. Fort Hayes State women, they've won nine straight games in Kearney. We'll see if that trend is broken tonight. Both games can be heard over on our sister station, 93.1 The River and The River App. Great men's basketball team, fresh off of an overtime win against Texas Tech over the holiday weekend. They're back at home tonight. They take on Oral Roberts. That one will start at 7.30. Top-ranked Louisville faces fourth-ranked Michigan tonight after both climbed up the AP Top 25. The Cardinals moved to number one for the first time in six years in this week's poll, and the Wolverines matched the biggest climb for an unranked team in the 70-year history of the poll. They're now ranked fourth under first-year head coach Juwan Howard after they won the battle for Atlantis, although the cupboard was left pretty full for him to move on in. It's awful easy to step in and win a lot of games. Just ask Phil Jackson. That's right. Hastings College guard Chandra Farmer is this week's GPAC Women's Basketball Player of the Week. Farmer, the senior from Hastings, helped Hastings College go 3-0 and last week, averaging 14 points per game. She also grabbed three rebounds and dished out five assists per contest. She just missed out on a double-double with her 14 points and eight assists in Saturday's win against Bellevue. She's helped the Broncos up to a fast start. They're ranked sixth in the country. Minnesota Vikings had a chance to make a statement 
Instead, they left Seattle with a frustrating 37-30 loss to the Seahawks. Vikings led 17-10 at half. It had a chance to take control in the third quarter. Seattle responded by scoring 24 straight. They now have the lead in the NFC West. And UNK continues preparations for Saturday's Mineral Water Bowl against Winona State. Head coach Josh Lynn talks about how they've approached things. You know, the great thing about a bowl game is, you, you know, the focus is obviously the bowl game, but it's also on your younger guys getting them more reps. And, you know, it's kind of a extended season and uh, even, even kind of like spring ball in a way in regards to some of those younger kids get well-needed reps in, in your system. Kickoff on Saturday in Excelsior Springs, Missouri is set for noon. We will bring you the game over on 93.1 The River. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. Nearly 800 Nebraska State Penitentiary inmates have signed a petition sent to state officials and various news outlets decrying condemned prisons. The Lincoln Journal-Star reports that the petition pans penitentiary administrators for putting the prison in modified lockdown. Because of the lockdown, meetings of self-betterment clubs or organizations have been limited or eliminated, and inmates have seen their use of the prison law library restricted. That restriction, the petition says, impedes prisoners' access to the courts, attorneys, legislators, judges, and other legal sources. The petition also cites multiple changes in policies, procedures, rules, memorandums, protocols, and inmate movement as problems. Department spokeswoman Laura Stemple told the Lincoln Journal-Star that the department had not received the petition. As health officials scrutinize marijuana vaping, it's increasingly on law enforcement's radar, too. Vaping has gained ground in the last few years among marijuana users as a discreet alternative to smoking the drug. A Bennett, Nebraska volunteer firefighter is recovering after being injured while responding to a car fire east of Lincoln. Bennett Rural Fire Department Chief Tim Norris says that an explosion from the car Sunday night injured 19-year-old Chad Peterson. The force of the explosion knocked Peterson back and caused a mild concussion and bruises. He was treated at a Lincoln hospital. A new monthly survey of business leaders suggests the economy is slowing down in nine Midwest and Plain states as the U.S. trade war with China continues. The overall index for the region slipped into negative territory at 48.6 in November from October's 52.6. Omaha police are investigating the death of a man found in a yard as a homicide. Police were called Monday morning to a report of a person down in the Millard neighborhood. Medics declared the man dead. He was identified as 21-year-old Dustin Mohang. Police say they are investigating the death. That's a homicide. And President Donald Trump says he would talk to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo about running for an open Senate seat in Kansas if Republicans appeared at risk of losing it next year. Trump's comments to reporters in London during a NATO meeting came as Pompeo dismissed speculation about his seeking the seat. Trump said if he thought Republicans might lose their first Senate race in Kansas since 1932, he says he would have a talk with Mike. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Get ready, Nebraska. Coe Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carney. Joe Wetzel, along with Cody Canada and The Department. It ain't never gonna change now. And Cody West. Will it 
Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Coetzel at Red Dirt on the River. Today's Newsmaker Interview brought to you by Key Cattle Development, now located two miles north of Miller. Discussing the future of agriculture in Nebraska. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskit reporting. The Alliance for the Future of Agriculture in Nebraska and We Support Agriculture recently wrapped up their annual meeting. Steve Martin serves as the executive director of the two organizations. He says the meeting was successful. Um, our annual meeting went, went really well. Uh, we had good attendance. Um, we had some great speakers. We had the governor there. Um, we also had the directors from uh, the Department of Agriculture, Economic Development, and in, uh, Environment and Energy um, all there. And, and really, uh, from the governor and all his staff, we were talking about partnerships and how, um, you know, Nebraska, we always say we're a pro-business uh, state. But those guys, uh, they stood up there and they, they talked about how their agencies are partners with um, ag producers um, rather than just thinking of, of themselves as regulators that are, uh, you know, trying to put the hammer down on somebody. They're, they're there to prop you up and, and uh, make things work so that um, we can all get what we need out of, uh, out of this industry. Martin was named the executive director of the two organizations earlier this year. I asked him how the first year has been. Uh, it's good. Um, I took over in January of last year, and yeah, this is my first annual meeting. Um, one of the things I talked about as we went through the um, through the the meeting is that it, there wasn't really um, a big, huge announcement in 2019. We didn't have a new Costco plant or anything like that to announce, and and so in some ways it felt like oh, we didn't really get much done. But then we went back through the calendar. And every week was just packed with meetings and from the pork industry to the poultry industry, the beef industry, uh, dairy industry, all of those segments um, of livestock are, are looking at new opportunities or growing uh, in Nebraska. And, and as we you know, see from the, some of the NAS data, um, pork industry is up, uh, you know, cattle on feed is maybe a little bit off, but um, still growing. And, and so we're seeing some great growth and some great potential growth, too. On the heels of a successful year, I asked Martin about what's on the horizon for animal agriculture. Well, we're pushing hard with our dairy partners to bring a, bring a new uh, dairy processor to Nebraska. Um, we're having conversations every week with different processors, um, getting ourselves out there nationally to, to find partners that would want to come. And in every conversation we have, they all recognize that Nebraska is a great place for them to be but the economics of the time have to be right. And so we're dealing with some supply and some oversupply in different parts of the United States that maybe is hurting us a little bit. Um, it's not our fault. There's nothing we can do about that. But we're uh, every day getting ourselves, I guess, more ready so that when, when they say, okay, show us what you got, um, we put our best foot forward. In addition to dairy, Martin says there is plenty of opportunity to continue to grow animal agriculture in the state of Nebraska. Uh, on the pork side, we, we've got great opportunities. The mash-offs, um, we had a meeting with the mash-offs, and, and uh, I think it was, uh, what, September this year, there was an announcement of they were selling some of their assets in Nebraska. And so there was concern that they were maybe getting out of Nebraska, but it was for them a strategic uh, realignment. 
And really what they're doing is refocusing on southern part of Nebraska, well, the southern two-thirds, um, and really expanding their footprint in that area. So it's a recommitment to Nebraska. And besides them, uh, the Holstone um, purchase in uh, Fremont, and that one's exciting to us because, um, well, five years or so ago when we got rid of um, the ban on packer ownership for hogs, um, the fear was that this would be Smithfield or somebody like that, Tyson maybe, uh, coming in and, and buying up all the farms and vertically integrating um, from the top down. And, and there was a lot of worry about that. And what really happened um, is a bunch of independent hog producers joined together and bought out a corporate partner. They bought out Hormel. Um, so we've seen a, a vertical integration from the bottom up. Then besides them, we've got probably another five different companies that um, raise hogs. Um, um, poultry, we still are recruiting poultry companies, uh, egg layers, uh, you know, especially we're still working with one company that would like to be out west uh, somewhere and serve the California market from there. Um, the beef industry is, is a growing industry and, and again, that's, an op that's a place where we're seeing independent producers saying, um, I want more control of my destiny and, and I want to uh, you know, maybe be a cow-calf guy and a feedlot guy, or maybe I want to be a cow-calf guy and a feedlot, and, and maybe I want to have control of the, of the marketing of those animals as they go out, so whether it's grass-fed or some of those niche markets. So I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity in Nebraska, too. Um, one of the other things we're doing uh, a couple weeks, December 16th and 17th, is a confined cattle symposium that we're hosting uh, along with the Nebraska Cattlemen, AccuSteel, and, and Central Confinement um, in Kearney, um, we're talking about how uh, confined cattle fits into a, uh, into a beef or into a farming operation. Um, so these are hoop barns or monoslope barns. Um, it's everything from calving indoors under a roof and then taking them out to pasture later um, to bringing them in when they're weaned and, and finishing them under a roof. And, uh, university has done some great research on, on those types of options and, and how all that works. That was Steve Martin, who serves as the Executive Director of AFAN, and we support agriculture. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bryce Stuskit reporting. Time to check in once again with Bob Brogan, bringing you the very latest in our midday business check. And uh, any time that somebody can send out a tweet... And the stock market drops 400 points. That uh, That's real power there, Bob Brogan. It is, and it's something that I can't do, but maybe you can. So we'll stay tuned on that. Maybe someday you can issue some kind of uh, edict or something like that. We'll see. Somehow I don't think that my 27 and a half followers on Twitter are uh, nearly that influential as the several hundreds of thousands that the big guy in Washington, D.C. has. No, no, no. Don't sell yourself short, but... Uh, well, stay tuned on that. Stocks fell sharply after President Donald Trump cast doubt over the potential for a trade deal with China this year and threatened to impose tariffs on French goods. Mr. Trump said he has no deadline for a deal with China and could wait until after the 2020 election to make one. Investors had been hoping for a deal this year. Wall Street is also weighing the potential for an expanded series of trade disputes after a month of relative calm. Today, Mr. Trump proposed tariffs on $2.4 billion in French products in retaliation for attacks on global tech giants, including Google, Amazon, and Facebook. And so uh, there could be uh, more 
um, disputes uh, over various things like a digital service tax and um, the uh, president is threatening to slap new tariffs on French cheese, wine, and other products. American cheese is just fine with me. Thank you. The government has launched a program to provide a daily HIV prevention drug for free people who need the protection but have no insurance to pay for it. It's part of the Trump administration's goal of ending the HIV epidemic in the U.S. by 2030. Four workers fired from Google last week are planning to file a federal labor complaint against the company. They claim it unfairly retaliated against them for organizing workers around social causes. The average U.S. retail price for regular gasoline fell to $2.58 a gallon on Monday, down four-tenths of a penny from a week ago based on the weekly price survey by the U.S. Energy Information Administration. Gas prices down. There's good news. That's that's pretty good news, yeah. And uh, they're down even lower in Nebraska than they are nationwide. We're at two forty four a gallon right now. That'll be that'll be some good news. And I heard one stat, Bob Brogan, that uh, Black Friday shopping here just a couple days ago was up twenty two point three percent compared to what it was for Black Friday last year. That's that's got to be some good news for the economy as well. That's definitely a shot in the arm for the economy, and it means people have money to spend and they want to spend it. Bob Brogan with today's business report. We get caught up on the happening so far at the 101st Kansas Farm Bureau Annual Meeting in Manhattan, Kansas. I'm Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. CEO of Kansas Farm Bureau Terry Holdren joins us. And Terry, Kansas Farm Bureau just kicked off the 101st meeting with a first of its kind, and that was a town hall-style meeting with both national and state elected officials and included the likes of Senator Jerry Moran, Congressman Roger Marshall, Congressman Ron Estes, and Kansas Secretary of Agriculture Mike Beam. How did the town hall go, and what were some of the hot topics of discussion? It's the first time we've taken that approach to an opportunity for folks to interact with elected officials, uh, both federal and at the state level as well. You know, lots of talk about things that aren't happening to some extent in Congress and and specifically USMCA that we certainly have supported. It's a great product for American agriculture, but for Kansas producers as well. We're in a state where about 48 percent of everything we grow on the on the plus side has to leave the state if and if we don't do that if we don't export those products then our producers suffer the bottom line we're looking forward to that action by congress and and certainly would continue to push members to get that done overall i think you know that was the general sentiment of that town hall effort was that progress is being made in finalizing that agreement but we've got to get through the other regular chaos of Washington, D.C., and whatever that looks like today to get that done. The state level, lots of land use and water-related issues that are that are out there of concern to members right now um, related to either the water transfer from the city of Hayes from a big ranch down in, in Green or in the, in the Larned area, and also then water rights issues and impairment issues of wells around the Quivira Wildlife Refuge um, in Stafford County. So some of those issues are kind of overarching. We're making progress with the delegation's help and with the, the State Department of Agriculture in terms of resolving some of that. So I think folks generally found that a good conversation yesterday afternoon and a great opportunity to interact with folks um, from both the state and federal government. From what I've heard in walking the halls, it's near record attendance this year at the annual meeting. What is the general feeling of the Kansas farmer and rancher of the 2019 year? The, the thing that always inspires me about our members across the state or anywhere, for, for that matter, for Farm Bureau members, even in Nebraska, they're eternally optimistic. As you said, 2019, lots of weather challenges, lots of market challenges, lots of just challenges on top of challenges. And really a great year if you're going to be depressed to be depressed. Even despite all of that, the folks here are 
in a good place. The mood is good. People are excited about the work of their farm organization, um, but optimistic about the future of, of better improvements in conditions and the opportunity to continue to produce food, fiber, and fuel for the world. Again, we're talking with Kansas Farm Bureau CEO Terry Holdren. And as we start to wind down the interview, Terry, let's talk about that engaging and thought-provoking keynote speaker at the general session. It was voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitch Holtus. And Holtus centered his whole speech around the new dawn in Kansas Farm Bureau. He said the sun is set on the first 100 years, but it's just becoming the dawn on the next 100 years. What was your reaction to that? And what does the next 100 years look like for Kansas Farm Bureau? It's a great challenge. Uh, This is our 101st annual meeting, so we're starting the second century of the organization. Flows very well into a new strategic plan that we're launching at this convention that really takes a different look. Uh, I think one of Mitch's points was to approach leadership and decision-making in new ways and to do things differently. That plan does that. Um, it, it, it talks about the, the need to be a more inclusive organization. We know that, that agriculture is changing, right, and that it's a different day than it has been. Conditions are, are ever-changing, and it's harder today to do the things that we need to do to make a living in production agriculture. The, the challenge, really, to, to look at it differently and to approach things differently, um, not only organizationally, but on farms and ranches, is completely relevant and, and hopefully something that we're ready to deliver on. Thanks again for the time. Again, CEO of Kansas Farm Bureau, Terry Holdren. Today will be the policy discussion with the voting delegates deciding the direction of the organization for the next year. From Manhattan, Kansas, at the 101st Kansas Farm Bureau Annual Meeting. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Let's find out how the grain markets uh, went today as far as they uh, trade with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. I think the story might be that Russia gets all the business for uh, Egypt's uh, wheat purchase, and that really hurt Chicago wheat, didn't it? Yeah, and they actually lowballed, so they, they dropped the price uh, from where they've been, and I think they're trying to obviously move some grain here. Uh, conditions out in, in Russia so far so good for next year's crop, and on higher acreage, we could have an 80 million metric ton number, so they got to move supply, and I think, um, I'm going to say we've seen the high. I think a lot of it, out, you know, there's a lot of weather to hold, but you'll get a KC here. I, I don't think you'll want to be long for this market, especially on the on the uh, the March contract up here near the highs of the really of the year, the last six months we've been uh, in this area. So uh, I think uh, there's a nice tell going on with the, the spring wheat market that hasn't moved at all. Uh, we saw a little bit of a rally, but if you're going to own some, I actually think going Minneapolis spring better. It's just so much cheaper. The funds are really, really short right now. And if you're going to catch a snap move on weather in wheat, I think that'll move more than anything. So that would be my recommendation is to look at something like that. Um, otherwise, you know, you just wait for rallies to sell. I, I I think uh, on the Chicago side, we'll be supported on breaks, and um, on the KC side, again, I, I think acreage is going to be there. I don't, I'm not really thinking that we're going to see too much of a drop. So, you know, you get big rallies on the July, you know, upwards of $5, I think you got to look to take it. Now let's look at corn with that December contract at that 372 support level. What do you look for in March? Well, probably that's the support level in March. I, I not... I don't think we'll go down there yet, but you know the Bollinger Bands haven't been tested, and we tend to have had that happen. So that would come in in the low, in the low 360s for the March contract. I don't think that happens yet, though. We got to figure out how how much grain is out there and how much is getting out of the ground. There's still a billion and a half bushels sitting under snow right now. Weather over the next two weeks is going to improve, so they should have some uh, you know aptitude to be able to harvest it. But uh, I think it's just the overall selling kind of in commodities. You're seeing a lot of prices break here, and I, I think. Uh, the trade is really sick of the trade deal, the talk, and, and now I think there's some realization that nothing's going to happen. Wilbur Ross is out today. You know, 
talking about putting some more tariffs on China, and I think you've got to be very careful here. I think soybeans are projecting that it's not going to happen. Uh, if you're, you're bullish, I think beans are a good buy. Uh, in fact, 10 down is where those Bollinger Bands kick in. So that would be some good support here on the beans. Corn, though, hasn't broken. So I, I'd be more apt to buy soy than, than corn at this point. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to danielsagmarketing.com. Remember, trading commodities involves substantial risk of loss and is not suitable for all investors. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.